Ever wish there was a fast way to get up to speed on a complicated topic? Well, you're in luck. This series might just be for you. As providers, it's hard to stay on top of all the specialties in a multi-specialty world. So join us for the month of October and get back in the loop about everything that's happening in cochlear implants, from the fundamentals to what's changing with candidacy, patient characteristics, and the latest in tech. And you're going to hear it from the best of the best. Hit the subscribe button and be the first to know when an episode drops for this Medod Pro Doc Talk special series podcast on cochlear implants, sponsored by Envoy Medical. Hi, and welcome to Doc Talk with Medod Pro. My name is Susan Good, and I am here today with my co host, Camille Dunn. Hello. Hello. And we are continuing. Actually, we're getting right here towards the end of this, all of these episodes on cochlear implants. And today we are lucky enough to have a special guest named Lisa Aubert, which many of you may know. Many folks out there um, know you well, and you've built quite an impressive career in the industry of audiology and ENT and med tech. But for those listening that don't know much about cochlear implants or are just learning for the first time, may not know you as well. So would you mind sharing a bit about your expertise and what has brought you to the helm of Cochlear Americas? Absolutely, Susan. And, and thank you to both you and Camille. And I um, just also want to commend you on this venture that you're undertaking. And uh, thank you to Envoy as well, who I know is the sponsor of it. I've been listening to some of the podcasts myself already and um, really fun and really exciting and really important work that you're doing. So thank you very much for that. Thanks. Um, And thank you for having, yeah, thanks for having me on today. And uh, yeah, just happy to share um, just a a quick intro um, from me. So yes, um, I am an audiologist um, by education. I actually um, am from originally the Detroit area and did my master's in audiology way back when at Wayne State University. Um, that actually took me to the United Kingdom. Um, I wanted to work abroad for a bit and was very fortunate to land in a implant program over there when they were doing the original clinical trials for cochlear implants in the UK. So I was there at one of the, uh, the original centers there. And, you know, that really just uh, sparked my passion for cochlear implants and uh, never really looked back. Um, been with the organization for um, about 28 years. I've had two stints in the European region. So started my career with cochlear in Europe, um, came here to the US for about eight years, went back to Europe for about four years and have been um, in the Cochlear Americas organization again since 2016. Um, so I've been the president of Cochlear Americas since then. Really, look, what I love is I, I love working um, on strategy. I love shaping the future. Um, I do think that we're stewards of the, the industry and um, we need to really focus on what, what's going to come next. So what do we have to accomplish today? But, you know, what, what do we need to do for, for 10 years on and how do we need to make sure that we're focusing on the long term as well? So that, you know, we, we, we put the industry and the specialty in a better position than, than we have today. So yeah. exciting to be in this position. Sure. Well, thanks so much. When we were chatting earlier, you had mentioned, you know, it's a very mission-driven company and the mission truly drives the decisions of the company. So how do you see that coming to life? Um, how can you, can you give us some examples of where you really see that executed? Sure, sure. Let, let me start with just, I'll just explain a little bit about, about our mission. Um, so in short, our mission is um, to help people hear and be heard. 
Um, we empower people to connect with others and live a full life. We help to transform the way people understand and treat hearing loss. And then also innovate, of course. We are a manufacturer, so we do innovate to bring new products to market that are really going to make a difference. Um, in conjunction with that, we also uh, look at putting the customer at the center of everything that we do. So, you know, really focused on our decision making on, you know, again, going back to how is it going to move the industry forward? Um, how are we going to help our customers, be it a recipient um, or even a payer? Um, and so, you know, really kind of looking at the, the full aspects really of, of what we need to do and who we need to support um, and kind of help move forward in the industry. So a couple of things come to mind from beyond that. I mean, one is our recent um, connected care innovations that we've introduced to the market. Um, and, and the connected care for us um, is categorized really in three different areas or four different areas. It's, it's surgical care, it's in-clinic care, it's remote care, and it's self-care. And we actually started introducing these before the pandemic, but they really came to light quite, quite effectively during the pandemic. Um, when people couldn't get into their clinics, um, access was really quite a lot more restricted um, you know, than it was before, of course. Um, but even further from that, you know, if you look at empowering people to connect and also um, you know, bring the innovation there, I mean, the way I see that connecting into the mission is that we, we do need to open up access. Um, this is one way to do it when patients can't get into a clinic, if they live far. But even you have patients who live, for example, in Manhattan, right, in New York City, where they don't want to travel downtown or uptown or depending on where, where they live. Um, it's quite a, um, you know, quite an inconvenience for them. So, you know, these types of technologies really can make it easier both on the professional as well as, uh, you know, really delivering good solid clinical care to patients um, where they don't have to come into a center, for example, um, as well as helping our surgeons in the OR um, with our tools that we have there called SmartNav, um, you know, really helping them, um, you know, get information and data that will be critical not only to understanding what's going on with placement of the electrode during surgery, um, but then also aftercare um, for the audiologist to have some good, um, good information. Um, the other thing is that we do, you know, we have put a lot of, you know, if you, if you think about um, helping people understand hearing loss and treating their hearing loss, um, we have done a lot through the years and in investment in our uh, direct-to-consumer efforts and educating consumers on hearing loss. So we, we don't only educate on a cochlear implant, you know, we really try to go broader in the hearing healthcare industry um, and help people understand that they need to treat their hearing loss urgently. Um, you know, we often know that with pediatrics and with children. And I think, you know, that's definitely been something, particularly in the early days of cochlear implants, that there was a lot of focus on treating children and treating them with urgency. Um, you know, trying to get that same message across now in the adult sector um, that, you know, you shouldn't wait. So whether it's a hearing aid that you need, um, start with that. Um, and then there is a continuum of care for cochlear implants, right? So that is an option um, when a patient um, might need that. But it's really, you know, trying to help people understand through our efforts, not only through the consumer efforts, but also educating professionals, um, anyone from referring audiologists to general practitioners on, again, the importance and the urgency of treating adult hearing loss. 
So I know Cochlear has been highly involved in promoting the Hearing Health Collaborative. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how you think it will impact our field of cochlear implants or even hearing impairment for that matter? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Camille. Yeah, and I and look, the hope is that it does impact across the whole spectrum, right? Again, it, it, it comes back to hearing health care um, and people really looking at probably more of a disease state rather than something that just happens to you as you get older. So the, the importance and really uh, the organization, the Hearing Health Collaborative is um, a group of professionals that are coming together across the spectrum. So it's not a, it's not a cochlear thing, right? It's not a cochlear implant thing necessarily. Right. Um, it, it's really what you said earlier, trying to drive that continuum of care. Um, and so we have professionals that are researchers in, in hearing science. We have um, the leads of all of the, the hearing support organizations. Uh, we have the cochlear implant manufacturers. We have people like you. Um, so lots of professionals, both um, neurotologists and audiologists that are on the Hearing Health Collaborative. Um, I can't remember the exact number. I don't know if you know off the top of your head, Camille, the exact number of um, members we have now, but I want to say it's over 40. I think it probably um, is. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. And, and more people join as, as yeah. they hear about it and understand, um, you know, what this group is trying to achieve. And it really comes for us under a whole umbrella, a standard of care. Um, so a number of years ago, we started globally a standard of care initiative um, to really start to drive uh, you know, this notion that yes, hearing loss is a disease state that should be treated, like you said, like cholesterol or high blood pressure um, or what have you, where there are standards and um, the standards are known um, and people are screened um, for, for these different things. And they, they know, for example, their hearing number, they, they know their cholesterol number. And so I know the Hearing Health Collaborative, one thing they're working on, for example, is a hearing, like a hearing number, right? So make it, make it easy for both professionals who aren't necessarily in hearing healthcare can really understand what this means to someone and as well as, as people who have hearing loss. And again, try to set up that sense of urgency to treat it, to really understand what this means and then how might it progress? Right. And if it does progress, what are my options? Um, and how do I seek out those options and, and have an easy journey right through the health, the, the, the hearing health continuum, an easy journey to get the treatments that I need when I need them. Um, and so the Hearing Health Collaborative is really, you know, a fantastic group of professionals coming together to start to figure out these different areas um, to how we truly get to a standard of care where, you know, a GP will see a patient, they'll, they'll know what to do, they'll, they'll be, you know, screening for hearing loss, asking the right questions, gerontologists um, doing the same, you know, as well as audiology and yeah. ENT, right? We still have yeah. a lot of work to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, even with our own professionals um, and getting them to, to understand. So, so, you know, the Hearing Health Collaborative is working on that and really working, like I said, kind of towards the standard of care. And Cochlear is very happy to be involved and pleased, you know, as being a member um, as well as, as supporting the group and what they need. Yeah, I know, um, you know, just some of the interactions and some of the meetings that we have had, um, the amount of people that have come together and um, when we visit or talk about the mission of the Hearing Health Collaborative, that's where you see how passionate everybody is about the hearing loss as a whole and trying to help patients learn to communicate better throughout 
the whole um, lifetime of their hearing. Um, and for some patients, that's hearing loss throughout a lifetime and how to navigate that. And I think um, sometimes hearing loss seems like it's one of those diagnoses that everybody just expects or everybody puts on the back burner. Um, but I, I, I really hope the outcome of the efforts that are going into this collaborative try to bring awareness to, um, like you said, the chronicness and the disease state that hearing loss truly is. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, something else Cochlear um, has done that some people might be aware of is we have partnered with the public health schools, so the, the Bloomberg School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins um, that Franklin um, is chair of and, and kind of established the Cochlear Center um, you know, for Hearing and Public Health because we do really truly believe that this is a public health issue and crisis. Um, you know, we do know the World Health Organization, right, has called this out now for many years um, at the, you know, at a, at a global scale in terms of the, the incidents and really, you know, this being something that, that governments, for example, need to be focusing on in their own healthcare agendas um, and not ignoring it. So, you know, through, through that, I mean, that center is really looking at the impact of, of hearing loss. Um, you know, as you know, Dr. Lynn has lots of data, big data sets um, to study, and of course doing studies in, in cognitive decline and um, connections with hearing loss. And you know, we've all seen that, that data coming out. So you know, that, um, that will be interesting to see. Sometimes it, it, it takes a tipping point, right, for people to, to really get it. Um, and and if, if it does come out right that there is um, you know, causation and, and I know it's coming out some correlation, um, I think that will also be really interesting to see you know, what that brings to the table in terms of um, people sitting up and, and taking further notice right, about um, you know, kind of the, the outcomes and what can happen with hearing loss and, and right. the implications right. of hearing loss. And, it, and it's interesting because you talk to patients about this when they come into the clinic with their hearing loss and, you know, you describe to them the research that's being done to understand the connection between hearing loss and dementia or cognitive decline. And it seems like it triggers with that patient some kind of, um, everybody can relate to it, I guess. You know, you mm -hmm. say, you know, we don't know what the connection is, but we believe it has something to do with social isolation, the change in quality of life, you becoming more anxious and, and, and taking a step back from the activities that you want to be a part of because of your hearing loss. Almost right. every time a patient will look at you and say, yes, that is exactly what I do. And um, I can understand how those things may be connected. And so I think cochlear implants and the job of the Hearing Health Collaborative and us all coming together has really, um, I think, will bring more awareness. Um, but it is certainly a big job right yeah. now. It feels like a big, huge mountain we're climbing. Well, it's, and it's really impressive, honestly, just from, you think of, you're a cochlear implant manufacturer right? Like you're doing a lot of that type of work. And to complement that, this is the real work that you're doing, right? That you're focusing on to be able to bring in the providers and the, the larger community of providers 
out there, drive awareness, really work on building that community of audiology and helping them understand treatment paths and all of this type of work, in addition to also driving or building cutting edge technology to be able to deliver out to your surgeons and um, to the all the people that work with the CIs. So that's quite a balance. It is quite a balance. Um, yeah, and, and interesting, you know, which is why it's really interesting to be, I think, um, in this company and also in this industry, though, because um, there's so much work to do, but it's really exciting work. Um, and, you know, I think it, it's a very unique specialty. Um, it's a very, everyone's very close, right? Even I think, you know, I would say the competition, you know, we, we all need our competitors and, you know, I think it is really important and it's really important for us to drive that, that innovation. Um, but at the same time, I think that, you know, there's a recognition of it's, it's bigger than that, right? That the technology isn't necessarily going to be the breakthrough. It, it definitely contributes, you know, we know that there, there are bigger things at play here for us in this industry. And a lot of it is, um, you know, the awareness of cochlear implants, our market data or our market research would show has definitely improved over the years. But for me, it comes down to though, it's the understanding of the outcomes that seems to just not being, you know, it's just not resonating somehow with, um, with the people that need to be referring these patients to us. So whether it is, you know, going back to a general practitioner who's not really recognizing the urgency of treating hearing loss or even an audiologist who is, is working deep in the field, but not recognizing the difference that, for example, a cochlear implant could make to a patient um, and, and, you know, fits them with hearing aids and look, you know, hearing aids definitely have, have their place. And again, we, you know, we support that, but when it comes to time when they're just not helping a patient, referring them on. And what we find is often that is that they're still not understanding the benefit, um, you know, how this technology really is transformative. Um, and, and not only to the person who gets the, the, the implant, but really to the larger community around them. Right. I mean, I, I know all of you, all the listeners who, who are who are in this game, you, know, you, you constantly hear the stories of how this changed someone's life, not only their spouse or their immediate family, but, you know, for children, the teachers, right, that worked with this child or, you know, the, the bus driver that talked to this person every day right. when they got on the bus, right? And they're like, wow, I can have a conversation now, you know, with this person. Um, and so, so that is what is so cool about what we do. And I think too, what is so, why it's so important to us as an organization and to me personally um, being in this seat now that we continue to, to drive this and we, we just can't give up, right? There, there are too many patients that need our help, that need access. And again, going back to like working with the Hearing Health Collaborative and, and working you know, with other organizations, ACIA, for example, and you know, the other organizations that really support um, this industry, it, it is just really important to be that partner um, and, you know, and work together on this because there's, there's so much more to do. Switching gears a little bit, I want to ask yeah. you, I have had um, the great honor of working with many of your um, employees over the years. I know Dr. Gans, who is, was on an earlier podcast, he, uh, you know, has had a relationship with Cochlear and different innovative technologies over the years. Is there one thing that you could put your finger on that you feel like is a product that was a turning point for Cochlear? Wow. 
<laughs> Great question. I know there's a lot, right? I, mean, <laughs> I look at all of the things and the ways that the, the different ways that cochlear has been innovative. And yeah. you know, if you take a step back, it's mind blowing. But is there one that you can say that made a difference, I think, in what we were doing or the, the trajectory we were going on? Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. Look, I, I think, um, you know, probably going back to, you know, even our, our nucleus five and nucleus six on processors, which is going way back a number of years. But, you know, that was really the first time that we started to bring connectivity, like true wireless connectivity um, into patients' lives, right? And, and before that, it was quite clunky, you know, I mean, it didn't exist, right? And then, you know, it's kind of quite clunky with plugging things yeah. in and leads into the processor, um, you know, relying on telecoils um, and, you know, again, that were pretty hit or, hit or miss. So, you know, really the first time I think bringing that true wireless connectivity um, into patients' lives um, was, was really a game changer and a turning point for us. And we're continuing to evolve that. Um, you might've heard that we did get our approval for our Nucleus 8 uh, sound processor um, earlier this week. And so uh, speaking of connectivity, that that is um, ready for the next generation of Bluetooth Lite and Oracast. Um, and so once the consumer um, industry, uh, electronics industry uh, kind of catches up to us now, then um, patients who have Nucleus 8 will be ready to go um, with even easier connectivity as they go forward. But, what, a, what a good um, feeling. And let me tell you, Lisa, we've already had patients in the clinic today that was talking about the Nucleus 8. And um, so if I hadn't heard about it, certainly our patients have, <laughs> and they're already picking at our doors, trying to understand when it's going to be ready, when it's ready, you know, when they can get yeah. their hands on it. One of the things that Cochlear has done is provided this wireless technology for patients, but it happened as we were transforming from flip phones to iPhones and smartphones. Yeah, you guys were able to keep up with that, and and provide technologies that people wanted to take advantage of. So, for example, um, we all were getting earbuds and being able to listen to music. Um, not with headphones anymore. And Cochlear allowed through your technology people to direct stream sounds right. from their phone right to their Cochlear implant processor. Um, now you guys have a collaboration with Resound. And so people mm -hmm. can stream information from their telephone to both of their ears. And so I think it was a game changer. I think enabling patients to free up their hands from having all the wires and the, and, and the connections really made a difference in one of the missions that I know that Cochlear has always tried, and all of the Cochlear implant companies really have tried to focus on is not making hearing loss a burden, not making hearing loss um, a reason that they can't do something. Yep, I, I would agree, and, and, and thank you for recognizing that. It, it is important. It is about making things easier, and, um, you know, it, it, it is, it's exhausting, right, to have hearing loss. Our patients tell us that all the time, um, even with the best technology on their ears, you know, whether it's a hearing aid or, or a cochlear implant, and so, you know, 
looking at how then their equipment isn't the burden for them. Yeah. You know, they, they can, it almost becomes a no brainer. You know, they don't have to think about it, right? You, you put it on, you don't have to think about it. And at least if you could try to take that aspect as much of it out, out of, right, of what they have to deal with through the day. Because um, I think it is easy to think that, well, you know, look, they're hearing so well, and we know we put them in a booth, right, and they get these amazing scores, a lot of them now, and they tell you how, you know, incredible it is for them here. But then, but then on the other side, there are those conversations when I'm just exhausted at night. Yeah. Right? I, I, just, I just want to yeah. take it off, and I'm, I'm exhausted. So they're still going through quite a bit in their day. And so, yeah, I would agree with you, you know, whatever you can take away from them, that isn't a burden just to make it easier. Um, you know, again, that just contributes to the, the quality of life and the outcomes that they get with the technology. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, it's, it is quite a handful of things that you guys are managing from trying to always be reaching to be cutting edge and really thinking about what technology needs to look like in 10 years versus even you know what you need today. So that is hard to stay ahead. It's hard to stay with the market, let alone ahead of the market, particularly with all the FDA work that you have to do as you're trying to improve your tech. But then the work that you're doing to help open access to a market that still has low penetration, the standard of care work that you're doing with HHC, all of the community building with audiology and beyond, truly pro providers beyond audiology to bring in and improve not just the referrals, but just awareness in general to hearing and the challenges and wrapping it into that chronic disease state where everybody should be thinking about it and thinking about it proactively. All of those things, when you when you go to work in the morning, you go, boy, what's important to cochlear today? And you go, oh, I have quite a checklist of things. So it's so impressive uh, to listen to and to hear your story. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed visiting with you, Lisa. Thank you for agreeing to come on and mm -hmm. offer the perspective that, you know, cochlear is near and dear to my heart. And I know um, it's near and dear to many people's hearts. So thank you for offering that perspective um, for all of our listeners today. Well, you're, you're both very welcome, Susan and Camille. Again, thank you for having me on and you know thanks to everyone who is listening and out there and all the great work you do and, and will continue to do and you know look together we can make a bigger difference right and you know I think that that's really what it's about and um, I'm so fortunate to be able to to be in this industry still and um, again just excited about all the all the great and hard work we still have to do yeah absolutely well thanks so much thank you Thank you for listening to this special series of Doc Talk by Medod Pro, sponsored by Envoy Medical.